0: This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's patreo dot com trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. First in, sir. Request permission to get underway.
1: Let's go. Welcome boomers to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I have two special guests with me today in the NX01's mess hall. First off, we have the host of Melodic Treks, and currently he is the Warp 5 editor. So uh, without his help, it'd be we'd have some difficulties right now. So let's welcome in Mr. Brandon Shea Mutala. Welcome back aboard, Brandon.
2: Hi, how's it going? Good. So I don't know if you know this about me and Canada and our Canadian cultures here, but my wife is okay with me having, uh, you know, multiple wives. Uh, And so I just wanted to let you guys know that in Canada we have three wives and each of those wives has three husbands. And, you know, I just wanted to introduce my my American co-husband. And his his name's Mike. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm just
1: sitting there wondering where is this going. Okay, all right. I didn't. I did I knew the time zones were off, but wow, I didn't know it was that. Okay, there, there we go. Yes, so yes. Uh, we actually have Mike, and Mike didn't realize that he was a co-husband. Or did you, Mike? What do, what do you What do you think about no, that? No, it's news to me. Okay. <laughs> so yes, we have a co-associate producer of Warp Five and co-host of MetaTrex, Mr. Mike Morrison. So, yeah, Mike, how about that kind of an introduction for you? Well, it it definitely is the most unique
0: introduction I've had. It's great to be here uh, on the NXO-1 in the mess hall, nonetheless. I'm uh, really excited. Uh, I always forget just what exactly Chef is able to do with a steak. It's so much better than that replicated stuff back on the Starship of Theseus. And I'm really hoping to be able to take a uh,
2: slice of pecan pie to go. That's pretty amazing though, I gotta say. I mean, if you're co-host of Metatrex, you're co-associate producer of Warp Five, you're co-husband with me, you then I'm just gonna start calling you the co genitor.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a segue. Yes. Um wow. J-
0: just just offering up my enzymes. <laughs> wow.
2: Yes, yeah, so Floyd and I could have a baby. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: Okay, yep. Yeah. We have we have gone totally off the wow, rails here, yes. guys. This, this is not what was in the
1: script. I was, I, let me call my agent. So yeah, actually, uh, Mike and I, um, changing the subject a little bit here, uh, Mike and I actually met in person this past weekend for the first time. We've known each other virtually for about two years now, but we actually met up and we posted a picture mm-hmm. in the Babel conference. So Mike, that was really cool uh, getting to finally meet you.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we realized a couple of years ago that you and I live only about 25 miles apart, and I actually attend church just about a mile from you, so I had an opportunity this past Sunday to, uh, to preach at Clearview uh, Church there in McKinney, Texas, and it was great to have you and your family uh, come join us for my Star Trek-themed message.
1: Yeah, that was, that was really awesome. Um, I, I, I saw your title screen and I thought it was just, you know, okay. Boldly go it's star Trek. He's got a star Trek. No, it was completely star Trek. That was so cool. And there, and I was looking around the room. There were some people that got it and some people didn't quite get it, but maybe they went and looked some stuff up after that, you know? So,
0: yeah, who knows? At the end of the day, I, I, I think, uh, I think they got an opportunity to learn a little bit about me and and my passion for Star Trek and we had a little fun there, there was there were some definitely some trekkies in the crowd I know as we uh, started out with the uh, iconic first words of the uh, of uh uh, the original series is Intro, Space: The Final Frontier. I looked around and just about everybody there knew that, so uh, it, it felt pretty That's good. That's true.
2: That's well, I saw the pictures online there, and I got to say that the cosplay at the church was great. I mean, Floyd, your board <laughs> costume was just outstanding. Right. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah, I, I worked on it for a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm still tweaking a little bit, getting getting ready for Halloween and all that. So yeah, hey Brandon, uh maybe we can get get that transporter invention going and we can get you down here from Canada. Or maybe we can get up to Canada. It's all it's warmer here though, you know, in the winter. So it might be
2: We had a nice day today. It was seventeen degrees Celsius, which is uh which is pretty nice.
1: Okay. Yep. Uh, here it was it was enough it was warm enough to sweat on the way to the car after work, so there. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, folks, for this episode, we're actually going to uh, dive back into the Warp 5 in uh, retrospective, and we're going to pick up with the second half of Season 2. So we've actually received a lot of uh, positive feedback from you regarding this series, and we want to keep it going. And, you know, our mission here at Warp 5 is to help create new fans of Enterprise or at least help many appreciate this great series. Uh, I know like I can say that I personally wasn't, completely sold when it first aired, but later when I saw it on Netflix and I had time and I could catch it, um, I really got hooked on this series and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of people lately that are, um, coming in on the different Facebook groups and they're talking whenever enterprise is mentioned, they're really in on it. So yeah. Uh, Mike, did you watch, did you watch enterprise on its first run? I can't remember if we've ever talked about that. No,
0: I, no, unfortunately, uh, the town that I lived in, we we didn't get uh, we didn't get the channel, so I didn't really get to watch it in its first run. I watched reruns on uh, the Sci Fi Channel, uh, but they were they were hit and miss. There were some episodes that I that I actually didn't see until it came to Netflix.
1: Yep, that was the same for me. I mean, I was in Dallas and we had a channel, but man, it kept moving around. And anytime there was a sports game, it got interrupted and things like that. I know Brandon said he Mm -hmm. actually watched it during first run. Mm -hmm. So
2: yeah, I did all like all four seasons.
1: So yeah, I, I wasn't sure if we'd actually talked about that before on Warp five Brent or Mike. So I just, that just kind of hit me there. So yeah, we're going to be discussing the uh, second half of season two uh, discussing topics, scenes, characters, situations that stand out to us. And uh, we may have some overlap, and we probably have some comments about all, you know a lot of it, uh, but if we happen to leave something out that uh, that you notice, Boomers, uh, please let us know uh, in the Babel conference uh, on the show no- announcement for this. Just let us know what uh, what stands out for you. What are some topics or scenes or characters or may- maybe it's something that we do mention? And we'd sure love to hear what you have to say about it. Also, I mean, I'm looking at season two the second half of season two here. And it just seems like it's just loaded with great episodes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's when I was going down the list on this, it was just like, wow, you know? Okay. So second half of season two, we've got stigma, ceasefire, future tense, Canamar, the crossing judgment, horizon, the breach, Cogenitor, regeneration, first flight, bounty, and we end it with the expanse. So boy, fellows, we've got a full table here in the mess hall. Maybe we can uh, get this completely served up here. So Mike, what is the first topic or stand out for you in the second half of season two, of these episodes?
0: Well, this, and this entire section of, of this season of season two is just outstanding. I don't think there's a bad episode in the bunch at least in my opinion there are a couple episodes that I, I think are are better than others but usually when I think of the last half of the second season the first episode that always comes to my mind is First Flight I think it's one of the best episodes of Enterprise and really one of the best episodes of Star Trek in 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 its entirety
1: Oh yeah I First Flight that is that's huge you know, I loved A. G. Robinson's character on that. Um, they've, men, you know, we've mentioned it before, and uh, we've. It's actually on the Blu-ray uh, extras that they were talking about that the first flight could have actually been the idea they had for season one. So that just imagine a season mm-hmm. one of First Flight that was that would have just been amazing. I would have loved to have seen Carradine, though more in the show. You know, I I I I loved it.
0: When you talk about the, the wouldas and couldas and should have uh I think about you know if first flight would have been a representation of what the first season could have looked like, I think it would have been a lot of fun to give Carradine and Bakula kind of an equal billing and leave it a complete mystery which one of those guys would be given the uh, the NX-01 captaincy.
1: Yeah, it uh- that was something that, uh, Brandon and I actually were talking about was, um, when we did our commentary last episode, we were talking about how, um, it, there, there seems like there was something missing between first flight and broken bow. Like to me, there would be something missing. You've got these test pilots and they're doing their thing, but then in order to get your captaincy, you know, you would have to be a captain, you know, you, or especially
2: if you're talking about the main ship. So Brandon, what did you think about first flight? I like the episode a lot. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun to see them in this, you know, you know, macho thumping their chest situation of who's going to end up being the captain, but I personally don't think I would have wanted to see this as a season-long arc. I like it as a one-shot flashback episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the uh the way that uh Archer's character is kind of reminiscing uh, throughout the episode, and how they 're going on this you know this mission with the Paul to go and examine this you know whatever spatial anomaly thing or whatever that they're that they 're doing in the shuttle craft but um I personally think the episode works just fine as a one shot and just getting that little bit of a history i don 't know i don 't think that they could have mined that for a whole season It would
1: have definitely taken a different look it would it would have um, i I liked it as a one shot you know, as a, as a flashback, like you said, um, I thought that was really great. It, it almost, it was, <laughs> or give me three episodes, you know, or some, I don't know, like that was before they were started doing the three episode arcs. Um, if it would have mm-hmm. been a whole season, it would have been different. It would have been a lot more dramatic. It would have been a lot more uh, political, you know, it would have been, um, I don't know. It would just been AG constantly, you know, <laughs> Given Archer a hard time, I guess I
2: don't know. See, now had they done it as a ten or a twelve episode season, I could see that. But mm-hmm. back in the day when they were doing twenty six episodes in season one, I don't think they would have been able to to stretch it out that far. And I mean, had they done that, then we wouldn't have had unexpected in season oh, one.
1: Oh yeah, we would have missed that. We would have missed that, Jim. We would have had to have waited till season two for that one. Okay, that would have been in uh, season right, two episode.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Or or. We could have had maybe instead of being far away, they could have had season one going with uh, more like Earth is the outpost or the home base with, uh, you know, like Warp 3 ships. And Trip still could have maybe stuck his hand in some alien rocks after all, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We're just I, I really like I don't really like first flight, though. So that was a good choice. So, uh, Brandon, what uh, what's an episode you want to uh, get us started with?
2: Well, I got I got to say it right off the bat. I don't want to talk about it too much because we did the commentary on it. But Future Tense is my favorite episode of Enterprise, and um, we did the commentary. I think it was episode number ninety two, and I think everything about that is what I wanted Enterprise to be, like the callbacks to the Tholians, you know, and this calling back to the uh, the Temporal Cold War. And honest to goodness, I, I want to write a Season 5 episode where we meet the guy that's the dead guy in that shuttle, right? Like, so before he died, obviously, or something, he encounters them. I don't know. I think that would be really cool, and it would have been a cool thing to come back. We didn't really get any information on to how this fit in with the whole Temporal Cold War arc. It was left a complete mystery. The Like, we knew that it was part of the temporal cold war because the guy was from the future, but they never really finished that off and said, how did mm-hmm. it apply? They just left it as a vague.
1: Yeah. I actually hadn't thought about that. That could, uh, the, that guy's story could be a story. It kind of makes me think of lost. I don't know if you've watched, uh, the Lost the series, but they do oh, a yeah. lot of circle backs on that. Like you'll see a character and they'll take a, they'll take a story along. And then next thing you know, they'll back up a week or two and you'll see what that character was doing that showed up later, what they were actually doing while they were gone. So yeah, that's, I actually hadn't thought about that. That could be very interesting with what, what was going on with that particular character.
2: So that pilot could have been the smoke monster. Wow.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. I like the momentary speculation that, you know, that, that man in that pod might've been Zephyr Cochran. Yes. I I know that didn't work for a lot of people because, you know, obviously we can go back to toss and and we kind of know how that uh how that whole story worked out but you know for me i, I just i just thought it was genius to kind of weave that in there because obviously uh the characters here on enterprise they aren't informed as to uh what ended up happening to zefram cocker and so of course they find a human body in a pod out that deep out in space Probably one of the first things they're going to think of is, oh, my goodness, did we find Dr. Cochran's body? Is this it? Did we solve the mystery? And so I I really enjoyed that. And I, I think they I think they treated it very well. They didn't drag it out. It was just a momentary callback that I thought was really good.
2: Yeah, we mentioned that in the commentary too, and and I said, you know, as soon as they said that, the first time I watched the episode, bang, Metamorphosis just right in my head. Yeah, you know the whole plot line of that episode. As soon as they said different, and that's what a prequel show should do, you know. And when bang, the Tholians out of nowhere in web, you just start thinking about that immediately uh-huh. you know, we didn't see a web in this episode, but it's like this episode, like the name of the episode was this episode screams prequel you know, and it totally does, Future Tense is, is my favorite Enterprise episode
1: it's fan candy, right. and it, it mm. makes sense, you know, we see it and we know that that's not him, but they don't know you know, so it's definitely right. definitely putting it in its place in the universe or in the timeline for, for it, so yeah, that was a good one so for for me um I just I want to jump back up here to the top. Let's just let's let's talk about stigma. Um that stigma can be a um a very touchy episode, like a very touchy you know situation because it's the the fallout from T'Pol being violated basically. Um so and not only that, but she's she's got a disease from it. So
0: Floyd, the only touchy in this episode is the B plot with <laughs> Feasal. There was a lot of touchy and a lot of feely going that on is there.
1: That's true, yes. Actually, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I sometimes forget that those are in the same episode. This
2: is so weird. Like, both of them are good. Like, the A plot and the B plot are both so good, but they just don't fit together because they're. So opposite, and Enterprise did that with a lot of their episodes, like Silent Enemy in season one. You got this crazy dark story, and then you got the quest for pineapple. You know, and it's like Enterprise did that quite a few times, where the the A's and the B's were just. It's like having chocolate covered steak. Yeah, I like chocolate. Yeah, I like steak, (laughs) but I don't like chocolate covered steak, and and I don't know. So it it, it's so weird. This episode,
1: I I have to admit, I I I forgot. I knew what stigma was. And I knew at the, at the A plot, I completely forgot about the B plot, you know, forgive me, Fleasel, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours, but I forgot that she was actually in this episode. I had to go back and like, check it and like, oh my gosh, this is her. That was a comedy Mm -hmm. on this backside of this other, like totally tense drama. So Floyd, this is one of those episodes where
0: the B plot, in my opinion, really overshadows the A plot. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think that whole story with To Paul and the and the Pinar syndrome, I, I I I really found that interesting, and I almost don't feel like they gave it enough attention over the run of the show, or at least the attention that it deserved. I'm glad that we resolved it in the fourth season, but I I didn't really feel like they did that storyline, at least in this episode, any justice at all. That, you know you had these. Kind of uh, you know presumptive doctors who you know we're gonna hold, we're gonna hold on to the uh, research they weren't gonna release it and Phlox is having to lie. But in the midst of all of this, there's this great B plot coming along that I I find very fascinating, and that is how does a human, especially a human that is imp- as as impulsive as Charles Tucker is. How are humans, especially one as impulsive as Charles Tucker, you know, how's he going to handle these different uh, morality codes, these different codes of morality? How 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 does he handle you know a different uh, marriage setup where, uh, as Bichet's already pointed out, you got three husbands and three wives, and it's 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 crazy to to you and I as human beings, but. If there is life on other planets, I'm sure they have other moral codes and other ways uh, to to manage the procreation process. So I, I find that very fascinating. How does he handle it? What what does he what does he do with this different culture?
2: See, aside from uh, aside from the novels and whatnot, we don't get a lot of exploration into the Denobulan culture, and I wonder if something like this has happened because there might be a population issue. Right, and they need to they need to expand their population, so they've come up with this interesting solution of having three wives and three husbands and three wives and three husbands, so that they can um, water down the DNA and have more you know more people be born. Right.
1: I I, it's funny when you think of their uh, social structure like that. I always think of it as like like a matrix. (laughs) You know, like that's the math teacher in me. It's like okay, we got to figure out what are all of the possibilities that we have from this combination and then how would they be related of course with us it's more of a linear you're related you know this is you're related to this person and then that person's related to this person and it just kind of goes down your line for them though they have a web it's just a huge web like their genealogy is just huge and it just it's a web going out not just a tree going down or up or however you want to draw it but it's like it's just totally baffling how complicated their family structure can be. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I I liked, there was an exchange in stigma where the Vulcans uh, contact the ship and they say that they want to talk to the captain or did they want to talk to the captain? They want to talk to Dr. Phlox and they also wanted to Paul to be there. And Archer Mm -hmm. asks to Paul, do you know anything about this or do you know what this is about? And to Paul, looks him squirt, straight in the eye and says, I haven't spoken to anyone on the surface. <laughs> so that's, that's one way to not tell, like, not tell a lie, but not tell the whole truth, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've, and we've talked about this, you know, these are Vulcans from a hundred years ago. They're, they may just straight up lie, you know, they could possibly, but she did, you know, she told the truth. She hadn't spoken to anyone on the surface. And it's kind of funny because I look at Archer you know. and I'm thinking, you know, she says that but she didn't answer the question. <laughs> you know? He just kind of just keeps going with it. But
0: right. I think John Billingsley gives a great performance in this episode. Of course, I think that Dr. Flox gets my award for best alien character in Star Trek. And this is one of those episodes where we get to see, we get to see Phlox serious. We get to see Flox comical. I, I I love how uh, the the exchanges that he has with Tucker, it's hilarious. And I laugh out loud every time I watch this episode when I watch Phlox uh, and Tucker in that conversation when he tries to explain to Phlox that his wife's coming on to him.
2: Right. And it's interesting. It's an interesting plot line because, you know, in hindsight, when you read it, when you're watching the episode and Feasel is making such clear advances onto onto Tucker— you 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 think that flocks is just being played like he's oblivious and completely not understanding what's going on right but he does understand what's going on right he's just it just doesn't bother them because they've got a completely different social structure than humans right and it, it i don't know i find the episode funny as well uh because of how it's played right and it's but it just it just takes away so much from the a story for me like it's just i mean like this a story on this here like this episode was was designed to contribute to viacom's hiv awareness campaign of 2003 right mm-hmm. and so that's why this episode was was made and to have i don't know just i like i'm not criticizing the b plot it's a great b plot it's just so weird that they're together that is true that
1: yeah. is true so um, the next episode that we had in season 2 was ceasefire so we got to see Susie Plaxon make an appearance. And I've got to say, I, I love I love Susie Plaxon whenever she's on Star Trek. You know, she does a great job. Oh, so yeah. So playing a strong, large uh, female Andorian. So d- did that establish that Andor- female Andorians were larger than the males? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. Well, on my Star Trek Online, they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you... You want the males are all smaller than the large females, or that's how I do it on my Star Trek online.
0: Well, now that you, now that you mention it, I, I can say that it seems that Andorian males are all somewhat, if I can use the word petite, and both of the Andorian females that we see here in Enterprise are rather tall.
1: Okay. Well, I, I don't know. Susie Plaxton's just a strong she's just a strong actress anyway, with whatever character she does. She, I mean, she chews up scene like crazy. So now you've got her and Jeffrey Combs on the same episode, man. I, I, I like that. Yeah. So, um, well,
0: Susie, Susie, Susie stands about six feet tall, I believe. So she's going to, she, she's going to tower over a lot of right. men <laughs> and just her attitude.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe not you and I Floyd, <laughs> right. but she's going to tower over a lot of guys. So um, yeah, we had uh, we got to see Shran throw shots back. You know him and AG. I think they they would have hit it off really well when it came time to see who could put a shot of whiskey or whatever that blue stuff is when they they put that in the back of their throat. Um, I appreciate that.
2: And Dorian ale.
1: Yeah, and then um, I thought though that that chant that for that particular story where they were bringing in Archer as the neutral third party i thought that was that was a great chance for archer and earth to gain respect in the galactic community or the small community that they were living in so that was like their first step to actually step up and be somebody on the block so
2: well you got it they're completely building towards how is earth so important and why is earth so important in the federation and as we see in the end of the series it's building Archer to become basically the president of the Federation uh, eventually as time goes along. And you're, you're seeing the beginnings of Archer in his political career that could have played out had the show gone longer.
0: This was honestly, I think, the first real building block episode in redeeming the relationship between Ambassador Saval and John Archer. I don't think prior to this episode, there was anything redeeming about their relationship, but at the end of this episode, Saval has to admit that Archer was at least not overly meddlesome. And, and he, you know, I
1: think this was that first building block. Very good. So our next episode on the line here uh, that we haven't discussed yet. So I'm just kind of, I got, I got a scoreboard going over here, boomers. So, um, would be next up. So Brandon, what 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 you had mentioned a little something about Canamar earlier? So what what do you think about that?
2: Uh, I'm okay with Canamar. It's it's kind of an average episode. I mean, there's th- that one character, that really really annoying character in this episode. Zumas. <laughs> he's fun to watch, you know, because he's just like he just doesn't want to shut up. He doesn't know how to shut up, right? So he he's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch Tucker's reaction with him. And I was just like. Enough already, um, but I mean the episode itself is basically this is like Con Air.
1: That's exactly what I yeah. have written down. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's fu- future uh, Warp Five episode. We're going to watch Canamar uh, and Con Air and compare them.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I have that written down. Con Air with Star Trek style. You know, so uh, you know one thing that stood out. You know, if we, if we have to find something. In the the episode, one thing that I liked about it was the opening conference scene. So they're all at the situation table at the back of the bridge at the beginning of the episode. And um, the cameraman actually has a walk around uh, camera. So he's it's a handheld. It's a walk around. So it's as if you're walking behind them as they're all standing around the table discussing this. And I hadn't really noticed it before, but I was, you know, I was watching the episodes on the last rewatch and I was paying more attention to the camera angles and like the camera work and how it was moving. And I thought that was really cool. I, I don't know that I, it stood out to me. I'll have to watch it for other when I do another rewatch to see how often that ever comes back around. But it did make it kind of seem like maybe you are one of the, the no name ensigns that are pushing buttons over there on the other wall while the officers are standing around the pool table. At the back, um, so yeah, that was something that kind of stood out for me. So, what do you, what do you think, Mike? Conair? Con I always thought
0: I always thought that uh, Zumas. I always thought his face looked like artificial fishing worms, and I was uh, surprised a while back when I found a trivia item that confirmed that they actually just glued artificial fishing lures. Uh, to the to the makeup and that was literally his his whiskers or whatever that he sits there and strokes. Sean Whalen is so annoying in this episode and annoying to the point that I I almost can't take it. This is not I don't not like this episode, but that being said, this is probably my least favorite episode of of the back half of season two. But a, a, again, I think there are some really interesting moments in it. I I really um I, I really like the final scene when you know Archer confronts the I think they were the Anoleans and uh, you know really kind of uh, uh, you know throws it back at him that they've got a problem with their you know with their justice system and I I, I like that scene I thought it was a real strong scene or, or, or at least we
1: humans think they have a problem with it you know, they may think it's working. Yeah, perfect. Yes. Yes. They certainly. may think it's working totally perfect, you know, but the, the look on the guy's face, you know, he's, you know, well, he may, he might be considering the words, but yeah, that <laughs> is true. Cause he was just saying, you know, and, you know, you want to know my report. Well, you don't want to know the whole report. You know, you, you want me to leave, give you the clean version of it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So Brandon, the crossing, this is a standout episode for you for uh, the this group of sh- episodes. So, what uh, what stands out for you in the crossing?
2: Oh, absolutely! When Reed is completely hitting onto Paul with that alien in his body. <laughs> I like this episode. I think it's really neat because they kind of they kind of play it for a while that you don't know that these guys are hostile, and they play it with a sense of awe and wonder mm-hmm. for the first little bit of the episode. Now. Archer's pretty... He's got the hairs on the back of his neck standing up for most of it here, but I really like how they play the episode, and I almost wish that it would have ended up being a friendly occurrence throughout the whole thing because we see so much where you think it's friendly and it turns to be bad, right? That, you know, in hindsight, I would have liked to have seen something really cool. Like, we'll get it later with Cogenitor, you know, to to meet a race of aliens that is just truly friendly. It's nice to see that once in a while. And I kind of wish that this is how this would have turned out. But the idea of this this crossing and when when they leave their bodies and have these wisps of smoke replace their souls or whatever you want to call it, they they don't even know where they are when they come back. They're like, I don't know, I was here and I was everywhere. And it's it's a it's a neat a neat plot, a neat concept, and I really like this episode a lot. And yeah, I wish I wish they were good is the only thing I have to say about this episode that's not positive. Yeah.
1: So what what are your thoughts,
0: Mike? This episode for me felt a lot like uh the original series episode Return to Tomorrow. As a matter of fact, I I will say that I think of all of the episodes that we're looking at here in the back half of season two, this one for me feels the most like a toss episode. I I just, I I agree, B. a 100%. I love the way they played it out at first. It was this really kind of awe-inspiring, you know, thing that was going on here where, you know, trip is kind of taken back that he's getting to see you know the the universe from a different perspective and these these creatures, but they're I, I appreciate that they they kind of leave you wondering even from the beginning because it's not something they ask permission for. They they kind of just do it against your will, and then they build towards you. You really get this kind of building towards something sinister, and you almost don't even expect it when you really get to the towards the end of the episode, and you really feel you know just how uh, you know Machiavellian these these creatures are.
2: See, watching this episode, I think a lot of observer observer effect as well. Yeah, right. So it's kind of a very similar plot point to that one, um, but yeah, this is it's it's quite fascinating. And then the fact that they're slowly trying to take over the ship is just like wow. And also,
1: that it was scientific method in Voyager is when you had the cloaked. Uh, I'm, I think it was scientific method, but it was the the cloaked aliens, or they were like on a different dimension or a mm-hmm. different frequency or something and they were doing experiments on the different crew members so yeah that that made me think of this so i I thought this was a really cool concept you know we got um these are very alien aliens uh we're like ants to them so it would be like us doing an experiment for ants to see if they if we put a hole here and we put something in it will they fall in the hole and what will they do you know to get out of the hole um but yeah uh, setting up an experiment to test the subjects. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, one thing I, I always remember about this episode is the creepy standing around staring, you know, you turn around mm-hmm. and you, you feel like you've got someone looking at you and sure enough, it's flocks and that's completely out of character for him to just be sitting there with this poker stare, you know, looking at you. I mean, to Paul and, and Flocks standing at the window, looking at them. It was, it was something, you know, it was, I mean to Paul I might get but flocks it really it was really creepy I thought
0: yeah for for the for the listeners who who listen to Metatrex, uh I'll say that there are some really great explorations in uh, you know ideas of of metaphysics uh certainly you know raises questions about you know the nature of consciousness dualism it's it's really got a lot to offer from a philosophical standpoint and really Floyd, I think this episode is an exhibit A for why Enterprise belongs on the same platform as the original series and and really the best of the best of Star Trek. It it really is everything that is great about Star I, Trek.
1: I agree. I agree. Being original series fans, and we've we've talked about it several times here on Warp Five, how you know this is the closest. Partner series, I think, to original series, and it just actually occurred to me just before we started recording this earlier that a lot of people's complaint about season two it's it's usually you know season four is their favorite or season three is their favorite or they really like season one, and season two doesn't really get mentioned that often. But when you go down the list and you look at these episodes, it really is like more like original series. like these are standalone episodes that really they do something mm-hmm. by themselves. And it's almost, you know, a lot of people's complaint is, well, it didn't seem like they're going anywhere and they're just kind of writing themselves around and they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing. But when you look at it, that's what original series was, you know, you've t- and, I mean, in the sixties, it was a different way of doing things, but even at this point in 2003, they didn't really know about long arcs, you know, like completely season long arcs like we expect now. But if you think about it, you know, you have DS nine that is, um, you've got your, uh, well, they they kind of just run around with the story a little bit for the first couple of seasons. You know, DS9 doesn't really have like a, a, a central theme uh, except for the prophets and the wormhole. And then they get into, you know, like the Cardassian-Klingon conflict, and then they start sprinkling in Dominion until it gets really saturated with Dominion all the way up until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Voyager even has a common theme. They're trying to get home even though, you know, weekly they're seeing new places and new people, but their overall theme is that they're trying to get home. They're always, always, always trying to get home. Whereas, you know, what was captain Kirk's goal, you know, in season one, you know, did, what, what was his, was, was he trying to uh, see if he could connect all the dots on the edge of the galaxy, you know, Archer right now, if captain Kirk is looking at the edge of the galaxy, Archer's just trying to get away from earth. You know he's like really, really local, but he's kind of doing the same. He's yeah, doing the same thing, but it's really, really close.
0: Yeah, I, I think you could have just taken, you know, Archer to Paul and Trip and replaced them with Kirk Spock and McCoy, and you have an original series episode right, right. here.
1: And I, mm-hmm. I, actually think about a lot of the season one and season two episodes can be like that. I, I, I mm-hmm. it, it really goes really well together. You know, and it's, it's proto Kirk, it's early Kirk, it's before. You know, before we have the the square color cubes to eat, we get to eat steak and ice cream and chocolate cake, right? So yeah. The uh what about the Oregonians? We established that these were Organians, am I right?
2: No. no. I no. was just saying that it it reminded me of the observer okay. effect, which mm-hmm. is the okay. Organians.
0: That yeah, observer observer effect established the Organians.
1: Okay. So yeah, I when I was looking at this, I couldn't remember if they actually said it or not. But it does remind a lot mm. of Organians. But boy, they would have to mm. they would have to change a lot in a hundred years. And they've been around for a long time. So I don't I don't know I don't know if these were really Organians. They're Organian like.
2: No what? I don't know. I don't I wasn't saying that I thought they were Organians or anything. I'm just like the way that they're they're changing their bodies and acting right. and stuff just reminds you well, a lot I of people. Well, I didn't I didn't I didn't think you
1: did either. But I, that's why I was just saying yeah. that cuz I think a lot of people try to connect this and say this is Organians or you know whenever they're talking about it. So I don't... it wouldn't have, it wouldn't
0: have been hard to throw a throwaway line in the episode. They could have probably made some type of connection like that, but it mm-hmm. was never established in the episode. Right.
2: See, I wouldn't have thought it would be because they have this ship, right? And the Organians like abandon technology. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know when we see them in Aaron of Mercy*, you
0: you could you could easily make this uh, like a prison ship, and and these were you know malevolent Organians that were uh, condemned to this prison ship and and sent you know sent adrift and. I mean, a throwaway line, I think you could have done it, but it was never, it was never established. And, and for that matter, we never, we never quite figured out who these, uh, aliens were, or where they come from. And, and quite frankly, that's a, that's okay.
1: That, that yeah, that's how it is. You know, space is big and it's that kind of stuff that feels great fanfic. Exactly. So our next episode on the, on the line here is judgment. So Mike, uh, what, what's... I'm actually going to interject here okay. and
2: take the reins on this one here. So I'm, I'm known throughout the network as the positive Trekkie, and I generally have something positive to say about everything. So I, all that I have to contribute to this is I'll say something positive here. I would rather watch <laughs> Extinction.
1: Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> I, I, I personally think that this is a complete insult to Star Trek Six. And I don't know. I I know that a lot of people like this, but I'm just like this. This is an insult to Star Trek Six, and and you guys could take the reins now because I got nothing else to say about Judgment. Well, I
1: know Mike. Mike likes to see JG Hertzler put the Klingon makeup back on. So what 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 did what did you think about that, Mike?
0: That's what redeems the episode for me. Anytime, <laughs> anytime you get Hertzler in Klingon makeup. A, a matter of fact, John, if you're listening. Just wear Klingon makeup all the time and walk around and spout things off. Sound like a Klingon, with your you know your metal cup full of blood wine. And man, I'm telling you, people people would follow you to the uh, to the to the doorway of Hades. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I he gives what i think is just another strong performance in this but yeah bshe i'm going to have to agree i think the whole thing's kind of an insult to star trek 6 it's 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 a really bad copy of star trek 6
1: now remember remember this actually happens before kirk gets put in trial okay so we're, we got to remember this is a prequel so <laughs> so actually star trek 6 is just a better version of this you know and and a bad one at that <laughs> And you know what else
2: happens anything. before Star Trek 6? The Golden Girls and that's better than this. Oh no. <laughs> oh no.
0: I won't get that far cuz again, I I I think Hertzler gave a gave a really great uh performance in, in the episode. But uh you know, I just I always found it interesting that no one has ever escaped from Ruapente except two human uh, Starfleet captains. What's up with that?
2: What's up with that? Right. See, and that's why I don't like it. Like, the Klingon arc in Enterprise is so bad. You know, like, Voyager completely defangs the the Borg. And Enterprise completely, by this point, the, the Klingons are just tired and old and repetitive. And, oh, man, I just, I'm so sorry. But it's like, but, I don't know. I love the Golden Girls. Don't get me wrong. The Golden Girls is great. I just, I'm not a fan of it. But definitely.
1: remember, Brandon it's about to get really spicy for the Klingons because they're about to get that augment DNA, you know, and that's when they have Uh. the golden age of, of, you know, conquer, you know, conquering worlds. That's when the empire really expands. So right now this is a slow little time for the Klingons, but just wait till they get some of that augmented human DNA. Okay. (laughs) And it's going to get really, really good. Okay. So yeah, for, for this episode, you know, a redeeming quality is we got a little deeper insight into Klingon society. So we got to hear, you know, that we don't just have Viking warriors running around banging their chest. We have farmers, we have lawyers, we have, uh, you know, scientists. So it was actually, um, we got to talk a little bit about it, you know, with through J.G. Hertzler's character. And, um, but I just, I would have liked to have seen a different courtroom with a different judge with a different sentence. That's, you know, other than that, hey, I guess. This, it would be it'd be a different episode. That's judgment, and um, I kind of I kind of hate to cut it off with that one because it seems like it's we're kind of downhill. I I would have to say that's probably the lowest ranked episode for the three of us in this little group. And looking at our time, we're at about forty five minutes for the episode. So I think we it might be a good idea just to cut this off and we'll make, we'll make judgment the cliffhanger. Although I would hate to think that if this would be the cliffhanger for a season, I'd hope people would come back, (laughs) you know, but uh, we might just call this part one right here. And, uh, does that sound good to you? You two? You bet.
0: That sounds great. And my, and we might mention that I believe our next episode is horizon that we'll, uh, that we'll lead off with next week. Am I right, yes. guys?
1: Yes. So, yeah.
0: So, you know, that's, that's boomer candy right exactly.
1: there. Exactly. That'll, that'll get everybody coming back. Thank you, Mike, for that. So yeah, we would have to have the <laughs> teaser, teaser to make sure everyone comes back. So it's been a lot of fun discussing, uh, Mike's interesting, uh, co-husband role that he didn't know that he had. <laughs> But this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM, so here's what else you may have missed elsewhere on the network.
2: Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. And We can't forget the best part of this episode, absolutely, hands down, is how tight Spock's pants are in this episode. He has got some epically tight pants. You know, Brendan, I wasn't really paying attention to that, so
0: I'll take your word for it. But he's like, yeah, Brendan, I can't say again? I
2: noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Literary Treks.
1: Because I love the idea that you have all these artifacts that that all do something different with time. And how do you prevent them from being used? Saturday Morning Trek.
2: Remember, principal photography hasn't even started yet. So these concept designs are just that. Concepts. If this was 1976, you'd be getting sketches. And disco. Disco. Melodic Treks. Those are totally, like, you can clearly tell that they were going for a a Mamas and the Papas kind of vibe with the music that they were were doing, right? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
1: So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you want to get the MP3 file or the RSS link, you can grab those at our website at trek.fm. And if you're an Apple user, please sh- be sure to subscribe to our show. And also, while you're there, leave us a star review and rating. And we have a couple of reviews that I'd like to read. Um, we th- they've been piling up a little bit, so I was wanting to knock a couple of these out. So maybe uh, we can, if maybe uh, Mike could read the first one for us here. Sure, Floyd. The first uh, five star
0: review from Daniel Noah reads: "Gateway drug. That's fun." Uh, Warp 5 was my gateway to Trek.fm, the best network of Star Trek podcasts you can imagine. This goes beyond podcasting. This is a 24-7 Star Trek radio. Warp 5 attracted my attention because when I started listening, no one anywhere wanted to talk about Enterprise, and many Trek podcasts seem ignorant to it. I went looking for Enterprise fans and found them. If you love Enterprise, this is the show for you.
1: He says, "Thanks, guys." Yeah, thank you, Daniel. That's uh, that's great. I, yeah, I actually had the same problem too. You know, trying to go look for other enterprise podcasts. It's kind of few and far between. So, thank you so much. And then, uh, Brandon, could you read our
2: next review? You bet. This one's from Christopher Settle, and Christopher says five stars for Warp Five. A great show about a great show. Keep up the good work, boys. Your podcast is great. Thanks very much, Christopher. Yeah,
1: thank you, Christopher. That's that's. Very, um, very simple. And it, I I like, that's kind of like how my review uh, ratings are when I do uh, the reviews for podcasts. I mean, if I like it, I like it. I usually don't say anything if I don't like them, but yeah, I I really appreciate it, Christopher. So we actually have a warp five email. So I, it's really cool when I look in my inbox on my phone, like I'm checking my mail and I see Warp 5 as the title and it comes straight to my inbox. And we've got a email from listener Vin Gromus. So I hope I didn't mess up that name, Vin. But he actually said he was from Kronos and he speak his language is Klingon. But I could also tell he was from Australia. <laughs> so, you know. Thank you so much, Vin. And he said, "Just listen to my first podcast of Warp Five. Great stuff. Keep up the great work." So yeah, thank you so much, Vin. And welcome to the show. You know, you're you're out if you're listening to Warp Five, then you're automatically a boomer now. So keep that up another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on patreon so brandon mike and i are all patrons of the network on patreon and as i mentioned earlier mike is actually a co-associate producer of warp 5 and he got that hit started through patreon so mike could you tell us a little bit about your experience with patreon
0: yeah absolutely floyd you know i i found uh trek fm When I was living out of a hotel here in the Dallas area and uh, getting my family moved here, I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time. I was actually looking for podcasts about uh, fan films, and my gateway to Trek FM was Continuing Mission. And then I found Warp 5 because I'm an Enterprise wonk. So uh, Enterprise was uh, the show that I chose uh, to become a co associate producer of when I started uh, donating to to patreon it's a very simple easy process uh, to go in and sign up uh, you can you can give uh, a little bit or you can give a lot we have uh, different milestone contribution levels you can go in you can check out our our different goals and you can sign up for the perk of your choice and some of those perks include things like early access to content through our patron zone you can also become a an associate producer of a show uh, if you like you can join our content development team there are lots and perks to choose from based on the level you you feel like uh, giving for and I've shared this many times. I actually uh, stopped my uh, my subscription to Sirius XM radio and started giving that money uh, to the network because uh, although uh, Trek FM has never asked for subscriptions. Uh, all of the content that we have is free all of the time. I just felt like I was enjoying it so much that I just it was just necessary for me uh, to help Trek FM continue to turn out great content and continue to connect uh, Star Trek fans all
1: around the world. Yeah, I, I have a similar story to that. So yeah, for Boomers, if you, you like what you hear and you want to make sure that Trek FM keeps going, I mean, we're a listener-supported network. Uh, if it wasn't for patreon.com slash trekfm, our network, you wouldn't be hearing this show right now. That's basically when you get down to it, that's how it is. So if you want to get more information about this, you can go to dot com slash trekfm and find out more information. Also, if you'd want to wear your Trek FM fandom, you can find great Trek FM theme merchandise at trekfm.store. So I actually have a coffee mug, a Warp 5 coffee mug, And I know I could probably get a pillow and I could get a blanket and all that. My wife, you know, she doesn't really want to hear that, but that's definitely going to be on my Christmas list. Something from the (laughs) trekfm.store. But she did get me a Star Trek blanket. I'm just looking for like a Warp 5 blanket now. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Mike, for being a co-associate producer for Warp 5. Also, I'd like to thank Christopher Jones. He is the founder and uh, he's the editor of and producer of basically the whole network um he has been our editor and producer for warp five lately but he's a little under the weather so i'd like to thank brandon for taking over the reins and editing and producing warp five for us so thank you so much brandon
2: you're welcome the next episode i'm just going to put my audio track out there anyways like so they won't even hear you guys okay
1: (laughs) There you go. So Brandon being the editor has all the control. So yeah, that's how it goes. (laughs) And also Tony Robinson is a friend of the show and he actually created the show art for our last show and he is going to be helping us out with that. So thank you so much, Tony.
2: Thanks, Tony.
1: Yep. And like, just like Vin, Earlier, he sent us an email through trek.fm slash contact. You can find that on the sidebar on the show page, or you can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And as we've mentioned several times, the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. So thank you so much mike and brandon for coming aboard here and talking about this uh the the little pod of episodes that we've got here i mean season two part two the back half is just loaded so we've definitely got enough for two episodes so
0: yeah it was good looking forward to the discussion and some more chefs uh
1: pecan pie yeah definitely definitely so mike uh if people wanted to ask you about the philosophy of star trek where uh-huh. how could they get in touch with you
0: well, I'm always glad to uh, talk about Star Trek uh, philosophy and Star Trek and the Babel conference. I'm most active on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at CMichael1701 and I'm also on Instagram. That
1: is CMichael1701. And Brandon has got us covered as far as the music of Star Trek goes. So Brandon, if someone wants to talk to you about the different versions of the Enterprise theme song, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Uh, well, when I'm not trying to break out of Pente, you can find me here on the network with new episodes of Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella and every once in a while, I'm poking my head up in the Babel Conference. And I just wanted to say a special thank you to Warp 5 listener Robert Cast from Cambridge, Ontario, who recently posted a picture that he was actually watching Broken Bow and listening to our commentary at the same time. So that made my day when I saw that, Robert. So thank you very much for posting that, uh, that image on, on the Babel conference, which is, uh, our Trek FM listener only group.
1: Yes, I, that was so cool. I thought that was so neat and I was so glad that it worked for him, but yeah, that's, he w- he was showed a picture of his phone as he was listening, as he was watching. So yeah, that was so, that was so cool. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me on the Babel conference. Well, I say always here lately. I've, I haven't really had enough time for social media, but if you ever mention me or if you make uh, comments on any of my posts or anything, I automatically get notified. But yeah, I hope to be back into social media pretty quick. I'm hoping that the, the, when the holidays come around, I'll have a little bit more time. So yeah, gentlemen, we are already in the mess hall we might as well sneak into the kitchen here and see what chef's cooking up. So does that sound, is that, I mean, I know Mike's looking for the pecan pie. What are you, what are you looking for, Brandon, when we get in there?
2: Well, as I just recently escaped Ropanthe, I'm hoping to try and find myself a cup of Ractageno.
1: Okay. Very good. I, I wonder if they have Twinkies on the NX-01. I wonder, wonder if chef's baking up Twinkies, you know, cause the Twinkies last a while and we are talking about, you know, what is this like a hundred years or so for us? So maybe there might be a Twinkie in there. So yeah, boomers. Uh, thank you for listening and join us again next time for another episode of warp five.